Now, for the show that brings combat sports stories to life from the great state of Ohio, this is Forged in Ohio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 55 of Forged in Ohio. My name is Jake Marin, and I'm the host of the podcast. I always enjoy having fighters on the show for the second time. You know, the first time is a chance for you to listen to their stories and learn how they got to where they are. But the second time always feels a bit more natural with an update of how far they've come since they were last on the show. The last time this fighter joined me, he was a 7-2 and amateur fighter. And now he holds a 2-1 professional record after competing three times in a three-month span. I have a lot of respect for this fighter. It's, of course, Asher Shock and Rock Frederick. Thanks for coming on the show again, Asher, and welcome back to Forged in Ohio. Hey, thank you for having me on, Jake. Uh, I appreciate coming on to Forged in Ohio and getting my name out there and putting on a good uh, representation for MMA in the state of Ohio. Yeah, of course, man. I'm pleased to have you back on for the second time. Since you've been so damn active, we have a lot to catch up on. Let's go in chronological order, I guess, with your pro debut at Ohio Combat League 25. You won via decision, but I know you're not pleased with that outing, right? No, I'm not pleased with it at all. I mean, there were a lot of things that I did well, like controlling the range and staying heavy on the ground and punishing him and staying in the dominant position the entire fight. But I felt like I could have opened up more. There were times where I did hurt him striking on the feet. That maybe I could have pressed on the gas a little bit more and gotten a finish. That's just, you know, just the perfectionist in me that wants that. Yeah, I think every fighter is a perfectionist in a certain way or another. Is there something to be said, though, in this fight about the opponent potentially not bringing the fight to you? It takes two guys to create exciting fights. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't. I think the threat of the takedown stopped him from opening up a lot because from all the fights that I saw with him, he just liked to throw a lot of spinning shit. And I mean, he was knocking people out like left and right. He was three and zero as an amateur and zero and one as a pro. But even the fight he lost as a pro, he dropped the guy. I mean, he was very talented and he was a hard hitter. I think just the fear of my wrestling and my pressure and cutting the cage off and. Maybe I surprised him with my power because I'm a little guy and I hit like a freaking truck. <laughs> but I think that played an ultimate effect to, into him not opening up at all. Going into this fight, with it being your pro debut, did you have any extra nerves or anything like that going into it? Yeah, yeah. I was a little nervous about making weight and not having the same gas tank that I would at 35 because I walk around at 155 to 160 pounds, and that's a 30 to 35-pound weight cut to make that weight, and it, it's rough. Yeah, and was that your first time fighting at flyweight? Yeah, it was my first time fighting at flyweight, but um, I, I wrestled my first year in high school at 126 pounds, and it, back then even it was still hard to get there. Yeah, and so two of your three pro fights were at flyweight, is that your weight class moving forward, or do you imagine yourself bouncing between 125 and 135? I see myself competing at 125, you know, especially in the UFC. I'm I'm a small 35er. I could get away with it on the regional circuit, but to get to the cream of the crop and have my best abilities, 125 pounds is where I need to stay. Do you think you've mastered that weight cut now that you will have two fights under your belt professionally at flyweight? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, working with Eddie uh, Rovac and Immortal Diet Optimization, they've really helped me hone it in and 
have me firing on all cylinders and the cuts smooth like butter. Is it a relief that you are now a pro fighter and don't have to worry about that amateur fight scene anymore, really? Yeah, it's it's great being pro. Now it's about taking smart fights. You know, the amateurs, just drama, and everybody's like, I'm better than everybody. I'm this, that. Nobody gives a fuck when you're an amateur. You lose as an amateur. It's a lesson. But now as a pro, when you lose, it's different because now you lost the opportunity to make more money. You now have to win three times to match that one loss. Yeah, and other than making money, which you just said, obviously, what's the best part of being a pro fighter? Is it being away from that drama or, you know, the lack of same-day weigh-ins? What do you enjoy most? Not having to fight the same night that I weigh in. I think that's what I miss the most. Yeah, for sure, man. Talking to Asher Shock and Rock Frederick on Forged in Ohio. Your next two pro fights were in August and September. You scored a second-round knockout win for Made Men Promotions. I imagine you'd have to be happier with that performance after the decision in your debut, right? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I enjoyed hurting that guy. That guy <laughs> is a piece of shit, honestly. I, he said so much disrespectful stuff, and... Yeah, he came out through everything, but I mean, he ended up kicking me in the nuts, then trying to elbow me off of that, and the ref broke it up. He uh, put me in my eyes and tried to jump the gear. Dude's a piece of shit, but it was nice to, you know, when I did do the right thing, you know, just I finished him. What was being said before the fight that caused all this bad blood between you two? <laughs> <laughs> well, so like, you see the picture, he's holding his hands up in my face, and I'm just like, you know, I'm cordial about shit. And then he goes, I ain't the one little boy. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. Put your old ass up. And then he's like, I'm going to check chin your ass, this and that. And I pretty much told him what he was going to do. He said that I was going to just try and take him down and hold him down. And I told him, no, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to beat you up on the feet. You're going to shoot. It's not going to work. You're going to try and pull guard. I'm going to fuck you up for it. And essentially... You know, I did do that in the fight, but back then, you know, him talking shit, he um, just kept being a punk. And then as I was about to leave with my buddy Skylar Bray, who was working my corner that night, he basically said I was going to bury you next to your mom. And, you know, right then, like, you, you don't say shit like that. And I wanted to kick his ass right then and there, but Skylar was like, calm down, bro. Relax. You don't need just kick his ass tomorrow. And then I went out the next night broke his ribs and made him look like a bitch in front of all of his friends and family. And I'm just happy about that. Yeah. As you should be. Do you like when fights, I mean, to that extent, it's a bit too much, but do you like when fights are somewhat personal and you do have that bad blood? Does it get you more motivated or do you not like fighting like angry like that in the cage? (laughs) I mean, there's benefits, you know, to fighting angry and, you know, fighting calm. I like to fight just, you know, my mind goes on autopilot when I'm fighting. I just hear my coaches and I do what they tell me to do. And, you know, it's like fighting open form. It's not, you know, when you fight with anger, you load up, you overcommit, and you're so eager to hit them and cause pain. But, like, you saw how it worked for Conor McGregor 10 years ago with Jose Aldo, and then me, the rest is history. Were there any of the uh, talks after the fight between you and that guy? No, I didn't realize he was going to retire, so, like, I just helped him take off his gloves, but, like, and then I got the fuck out of there. But he, he tried to hand me some bum-ass weed. And it just, it just, I just like, was not fuck that shit. 
Fair enough, man. So walk me through that finish that came only 29 seconds into the second round. So he blew his wad trying to, you know, be Superman in front of his home crowd. Then the second round came out and I, you know, just started circling. I blasted a head kick and he barely blocked it. Then he tried circling and cut me off. I circled out again, ripped his leg and then sat down with a cross to the body and then a hook up top. And then he fell, and then he was on one knee trying to get up, and he goes, stop, stop, and I just jump on him, I start hitting him. So after the first round, did you know you kind of had him where you wanted him, yeah. and the finish was yeah. going to kind of come soon there in the second round? Yeah, because he was running into my straight left, it was just me having to see it, and then believing it, you know, that was just what ended up setting up the finish, just following up after the initial shot. And did you have the fight in September booked for APFC before that second fight, right? Yeah, yeah, I did, man. Does that put any type of pressure on you to come out of the fight for Made Men Promotions healthy so you could compete at a high level again in just a month's time? Yeah, you know, honestly, I I tried to pull out of the fight in August because APFC told me if I lost, they would pull me from the card, which is respectful. You want to protect the integrity of a card. And so when I tried to pull out, West Virginia told me they would suspend me and then I wouldn't be able to fight in September. So I was put into a, you know, a situation that was <laughs> my own doing, but, you know, it, it paid off. And there was a lot of pressure, but, I, you know, I thrive on pressure. So were you relatively unscathed after that that fight, the, the second one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was good, man. All right. Well, <laughs> I think I only got hit like one time. Well, definitely good to but hear. He, yeah. We'll talk about the result of the fight in a moment, but what did it mean for you to compete for APFC? Because many people had to actually tag you on social media for you to get that opportunity, right? Yeah, man. It was it was amazing. They. They treated me amazing, and I'm super grateful, you know, just to even be able to show my uh, skills underneath their banner because it's all, it was on UFC Fight Pass. So a lot of people were watching. Now a lot of people know who I am, and it, it was amazing. I was treated with respect by them, and there was, like, none of this stupid regional games where you're brought in as a favorite or, you know, it was it was fun. Do you feel like you belonged on that big fighting stage in Indiana for APFC? Oh, hell yeah. Me and Jose, the guy I fought, I mean, we we were trying to finish each other the entire fight. Like, And you clearly saw two guys who are young and hungry that want to fight. Yeah, so you lost the fight by unanimous decision, but what's your assessment of how you did out there, of just the fight in general? Well, it, it actually turned out to be a split. In the moment, I was like, huh, you know, a little confused. But after I rewatched it back, the biggest things that I did wrong, I glued myself to the mat in the first round, and I did didn't I didn't utilize the you know the butterfly hook and the overhook and the underhook to try and get up, because when you see the second round and he didn't shoot, I ended up clipping him and hitting him, and then he threw a spinning back kick it missed, and then I mean that that whole fight was just insane. Like we both you know we both pushed on the gas, but. You know, it was just a lot to take away, you know, just I really learned then, truthfully, that little mistakes can cost you. You know, like if you make just at, like uh, when 
Adesanya fought Sean Strickland, he made one small error defensively, and Strickland dropped him. And I don't think anybody expected Sean Strickland to do that to Adesanya. That's a great point, man. So you mentioned those little mistakes can cost you things in fights. Do you think you did enough to win the fight, or do you think you noticed those mistakes and you think you actually did lose the fight? It's tough because, you know, obviously I lost the first round. The second round, I won. And then the third round was really competitive back and forth. And I think had I not slipped off with the last minute and spent the last minute on my back, I feel like I could have maybe eked out the decision. But, you know, I'm not a judge, so... And regardless of the scorecards, with just a month between fights, you mentioned how insane that fight was. Are you happy with the performance out there? Are you happy with how the fight turned out? Yeah, no, I'm I'm happy with my performance. I mean, I was doing I, I think I showcased all my skills for right now, you know, that I'm that I have. And I, I feel like the three major weight cuts back to back to back did play a part, but I still even with, you know, being dog shit tired, I should still be able to do certain techniques and be able to pull things off. In hindsight, do you regret being so active to start your amateur or your pro career? Uh, no, I don't regret it because now I learned, hey, don't be a dumbass and fight three times in three months. <laughs> every yeah, every fight's a learning lesson, right, man? Yeah, I mean, even when you win, you know, there's always a lesson. Definitely. What was it like meeting Anthony Pettis and I'm sure some other big names in the fight game at that event? It, it was pretty cool. Anthony Pettis is, you know, pretty cool. Cain Velasquez is pretty cool. Bilal Muhammad, you know, he's all right. Um, it, it was just cool. You know, it's good to see guys at that level. And it just being like, you're no different than me. We both have the same hunger. So, like, what makes them better than me? And, and just being, you know, in the same room, you realize... They're no better than me. I could get to where they they were at, you know? That's what it was like for me being in that room. Why is uh, Bilal Muhammad just all right and not cool? Just <laughs> a little biased, but he's a good fighter, though, don't get me wrong. But, you know, just being a little biased. On commentary, you mean? <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Once again, this is Asher Shock and Rock Frederick with us on Forged in Ohio. So it's been two months since that last fight. Are you trying to slow things down now? And if so, how difficult is that? Because I'm sure you want to get rid of that bad taste in your mouth from that loss. You know, it's hard. You know, my ego is like, go out there, go fight somebody, you know. And, you know, I may fight next month, but it's like, I I want to because I have that fire in me. But I think it's a smarter decision to just be patient, work, get better, develop new skills, and just, you know, keep progressing. Are there coaches at Ronin or even Immortals saying, hey, we have to kind of slow things down, start progressing in the gym before you actually go out there and take your fourth fight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Josh is obviously going to be very critical in my game because he's my main coach, my uncle, Vitor, you know. It's just putting little things in teammates being like, hey, try this, maybe do this, and just working and picking up different tricks. If it was up to you, when would you like to fight next? Uh, I mean, <laughs> you're feeding the ego right there. <laughs> Man, you know, I, I'm cool with fighting, you know, next month. Or, you know, it could be in the middle of March or April. Shit, I may not fight until the end of next year. I'm okay with it. 
I, I love fighting's the easy part. It's just training that, you know, it's a grind that nobody wants to do and people take breaks and times off. And I don't like to take time off. I'll, even if I'm not competing, I'll still be in the gym training like a madman because I want to be at that level. Is it difficult to train when you don't have that fight ahead of you, when you don't have something booked to train towards? Oh, no. No? No, <laughs> no I, I have that internal motivation, man. All right. I like to hear it, man. So three pro fights, all four different promotions. Do you know where you would fight next? Well, if I fight next month, it'll be for Ohio Combat League. I'm thinking maybe uh, APFC said they'd like to have me back on in the future. So, you know, just maybe some shows on Fight Pass or, you know, more bigger regional shows. That way, you know, maybe I get to four, five, six wins. Maybe I get a, get a contender series shot. Do you want that second crack at the APFC? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little less bias out of uh, Bilal Muhammad on commentary next time? Yeah, maybe just a little. <laughs> hey, is that motivation? Hey, go out there and put yeah, up a good performance? That shit, that shit pissed me off. <laughs> I watched it back and I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. I, I'm definitely gonna have to listen to that myself, and I'll let you know what I think when I when I tune in. So it's November, so I don't think it's too far fetched to start thinking about 2024. Have you thought of what next year could bring? Now that you already have three pro fights under your belt, um, I mean, next year could bring you know maybe a contender series shot, maybe an LFA fight. You know, I mean, there's just a multitude and so many routes that I could go. It just depends if the offer is good enough or worth it. You know. Do you let yourself think that big or are you good at staying in the moment of where you are now? Um, I like to, you know, keep my eyes on the future, but I, you know, sometimes I'll take a step back and, you know, see how far I've already come and enjoy where I'm at because I look at, you know, the martial arts journey in my life. It's like, I can only fight for so long. So what, what goals can I, you know, attain and where can I get? while I'm competing as a professional fighter and where, you know, and that's where I'm at right now. You know, I have my goal is to be a UFC champion, you know, be number one in the world and all that. But right now, you know, I'm on the regional scene. I'm taking advantage of, you know, okay, I'm here right now. I can work and get better right here. But the end goal is to be here. And then my martial arts journey, obviously I would like to be, you know, a black belt in jujitsu be the best me that I could possibly be as a martial artist and let that translate over into my actual, you know, family life. You know, maybe if I have kids, I'm the best dad that I can be. So it's always just like a strive to be better and better and a constant evolution of myself. Yeah, I think that's a great way to not only look at your mixed martial arts journey, but, you know, your career and just life in general. Do you ever falter away from that sometimes? I know, you know, with a mixed martial arts journey comes a whole different side mentally, right? Is it hard to stick to that and stay disciplined and train every day? Because sometimes I'm sure it can take a big toll on you. It's not really a discipline issue with, you know, staying, you know, wanting to train and stuff that. That's that's all easy, you know, but um, I think maybe the diet would be probably the hardest part is because, like, you know, I'm a big boy and I'm, <laughs> I'm cutting, like, you know, almost 40 pounds every time I fight. So it's just, you know, it's changing my lifestyle the way I'm eating. That's probably the hardest part. 
Yeah, definitely. I think one of my favorite moments in Forge in Ohio's history is when Miles Robinson fought and was talking about eating cheeseburgers after his fight and how his opponent was taking cheeseburgers away from him. So for you, what's your go-to food after a fight or even before a fight? What, what's your go-to food, especially when you're having to weight cut down to 125 pounds? Oh, the weight cut uh, while I'm cutting is sleep. That's my favorite meal. <laughs> but, um, you know, my go-to meal, like, after I weigh in, will typically be an acai smoothie bowl from a smoothie king, you know, with oats, the acai, whatever the hell you call it, strawberries, bananas, peanut butter drizzle, blueberries, and almonds and coconut, you know, just a little bit of carbs, fruit, the hydrate. And then I have this little drink that I make, and I drink two gallons of it, and that really gets me hydrated. I drink that over the, you know, the next 48 hours before I fight. And then in the morning when I wake up, I'll eat, you know, toast with tomatoes, eggs, avocado. And then I'll also have a bowl of oatmeal with some yogurt and some fruit in it. And then just keep drinking my rehydration drink. How heavy do you usually get after fights? Uh, Well, when I go into the cage, I'm typically right now, I've been going in about 48, 49 but my last fight, because I did all the, you know, rapid weight cuts in three months, I ended up going in at like 136 flat, which was really weird. But, you know, right now I'm like 160 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a hard toll on you? I, I didn't even ask about the weight cuts in that three month span. Having to do that, that consistently, how hard was that for you and, and your body? Uh, the first cut to 25 was pretty easy, which was weird. They cut the 35 sucked, and then I turned into Skeletor making 25 for my last fight. Yeah, so, I, I could only imagine. I, I have a feeling that it's just going to keep – I'm going to keep looking like Skeletor for a while. <laughs> Does the mood change when you're weight cutting too? Oh, dude, I'm I'm so crabby when I'm cutting weight. <laughs> it's bad actually. Everybody doesn't want, my girlfriend doesn't want to be around me. My family doesn't want to be around me. My friends are all like, you're such an asshole. My coworkers are like, what's wrong with you? And I'm just like pale and freaking frail. Yeah, your teammate uh, Max Metzger says the same thing. When he's cutting weight, you want to be anywhere but around him. So I totally yeah. get it. Um, a couple of oddball questions here at the end, man. What happened to the hair? What happened to the long hair? It, it just got too much for me, man, which sucks. But I just needed a break for a while. Give me... Middle of next year, I'll be back with my luscious locks. <laughs> so your last two fights, I believe, were with the short hair. And I asked you the first time you were on, does the long hair get in your way during fights? Are you enjoying fighting without the long hair? Yeah, actually, I am. I kind of am, man. I feel like it, when I have the hair, you know, my endurance is insane. But when I cut the hair, I have more power in my stamina. <laughs> But it's a trade-off because it feels like when I have more power, I have less stamina. But the hair is coming back. The hair is coming back. Yeah, it'll be it'll be back for a couple fights next year. I promise. All right, sounds good, man. I like what you're rocking now. No, no complaints. But I just know the hair was definitely a staple, and was curious as to why it went away. Uh, last one, man. I have trained inside an MMA gym once in my entire life. And it was over the summer with you and Ryan down at Ronan Training Center. I was hoping for striking and got a full wrestling session that night. I gained a ton of respect for you guys. But my question for you, Coach Asher, 100% honest, if you remember, 
Tell the audience how did I do? I mean, I, it it was rough, but I mean, I rem- I think we did double legs that night, yeah. and you actually were getting it down by the end of practice. I do remember that you were getting the technique down. Thanks. Well, I, I appreciate that. It was definitely rough. I remember the one experience. So I was in there, and you know, the big thing was putting the ear in the armpit, right? Mm-hmm. And the guy I was going with was sweaty as hell. And I'm not a huge germaphobe asher, but that kind of got to me. When I put my ear in his armpit, my like my beard on this side was just wet. I know exactly what guy you're talking about, too. Yeah, Yeah. man, I I wouldn't want my ear to be (laughs) on that either. Yeah, I'd say that's my only complaint. But other than that, man, like I said, I gained a lot of respect for you guys and what you do. And that was just an amateur lesson. So, I mean, really, I've got a long way to go, especially if I'm trying to do that more and more. Before we wrap up, though, man, is there anything you want to shout out in terms of social media handles, sponsorships? The floor is yours here at the end. Yeah, man, I'd like to just take a moment to shout out all my sponsors like Second Nature Supplements, Wrestler Nation Apparel. Turp House Farms, Punch Gunk, and just the gyms I train at, Ronan Training Center, VO2 Fitness, my training partner, Skyla Bray, Max Metzger, Mark Antonelli, Kobe Woodall, Mustafa Abramani, just everybody at Ronan, man, and all the gyms that I cross train at, and everybody's helped me get to where I'm at in this journey so far. Absolutely, man. I can't wait to follow this journey further. Thanks again, Asher, for joining me on the show for the second time. It's been a pleasure to not only follow your career, but to see you in person a few times at Immortal and Ronan as well. You already know how I like to end these chats on Forge in Ohio from the first time you were on the show. It's with the OHIO chant. So, OH. Thanks, Asher. I'm looking forward to what 2024 will bring for you. You're always welcome here on Forge in Ohio, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Seriously. That was Asher Shock and Rock Frederick, the 2-in-1 professional mixed martial artist. He's had an insane start to his pro career, and I know his game for any fight, anywhere, and at any time, which really makes him a very exciting fighter to follow. I hope you all enjoyed episode 55 with Asher Shock and Rock Frederick. If you did, then don't forget to download the episode on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to the Forge in Ohio YouTube channel. You can also check us out on social media at Forge in Ohio on both Instagram and Facebook. Thanks everyone for watching or tuning in. I've been your host, Jake Marin, and this was Forged in Ohio.